Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. So glad that you have joined us yet again. We have an exciting one this evening that I'm very thrilled to be talking about. And I got a dude to come along that's been on the show before. I'm a big fan of his on social media and his show and his website. He's just a great dude, man. And this is a very important, you know, the Two Peas don't really have like <laughs> too many like important episodes, but I feel like this is a really important episode that we are doing uh, this week in particular, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that as well during our intro here. But let's say hello to the other P on the pod, my guest this evening, Colby Mack, your boy. What's up, brother? How you doing? Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Colby Mack, and I'm finally back on Two Peas on a Podcast. Yeah, you are, and uh, I'm thrilled to have you, man. I mean, I'm a big fan of yours, as you know, so thank you so much for being here, man. All right, Colby, and you know, so like I said, buddy, we're you know, I feel like this is important, an important episode. Why don't you tell everyone because we're going to get into the top five here in a moment. So why don't you tell everyone what is the countdown? What are we counting down today? Yo, we are counting down uh, top five. I guess the, <laughs> how do you want to phrase it? Right, <laughs> like African American films, there you go. black film. You know what? Black cinema. Top five black cinema. Yeah, black. Um, Black, I like that. Black films, black movies, African-American movies, uh, definitely black cinema. And I was telling you before we started recording that I've been deep into black cinema the last couple of weeks with everything that's going on. So to timestamp this, we're recording it on June 11th. So there's a lot of uh, unrest going on right now, particularly in America, with police brutality and um, you know racial injustice. I'm trying to make sure I phrase these things appropriately, but I think you obviously know what I'm saying. So, you know, I thought it was important to do this episode because, first of all, I love black cinema, just regardless of what may, be, may or may not be going on in the news. I love it. So how did you, uh, what does black cinema mean to you when you have to deal with things like what are going on right now in the world? Well, you know, you hear that old adage that art imitates life, right? Mm-hmm. And art is, should be a reflection on life and society. So growing up black, I very much had a mirror in the art that I digested that looked like me for the most part. Obviously, if you chronicle the decades of history in Hollywood, we know that there are certain people who control, you know, essentially is shaping life and vice versa, right? Mm -hmm. So being able to grow up a child of the 80s, well, you know, born in the 80s, but I'm a 90s kid. I came in at a sweet time where we had black creatives in front of the camera and behind the camera able to have a bit more agency and cachet to do their own thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, growing up with, you know, the Spike Lees, the John Singletons, uh, the Cassie Lemons and stuff like that, that has been profound for me 
to kind of be able to have that where let's say, I mean, we're not entirely different in age, but you're a generation. I mean, you're, would you, you consider yourself a Gen Xer, right? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I I graduated in uh, 94. So, so it's a little bit different. You were kind of coming in where you had, there, there wasn't too, too much, you know, it was very, very sporadic, but Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I, I, I've enjoyed being able to have access to so many different varying stories that are told, right? And, and I think what I'm going to do my best in trying to represent my list is trying to like touch the gamut of what black cinema is, mm-hmm. like, you know, in regards to the dramas, the comedies, the romances and things of that nature. So it's been fun. I've watched, I'm not going to say like I'm a black cinema expert. <laughs> I'm like a super duper buff. <laughs> you know, there's not, right. too, there's not too much stuff that I haven't seen. Cause like, Essentially, if you want to have like you want to keep your black card, there are films that you have to watch. Sure, yeah, of course, and, um, yeah. And, and I think a lot of folks right now, especially with all the civil unrest that's going on within the country, I do like the call to action to be able to celebrate more black and brown voices with inside the community in cinema, because I think ultimately all that does is amplify and like you know widen your palate for what you've been digesting. Yeah, you know, and I was gonna say like I, you know it's gonna be interesting to see our two lists and how if they're similar or how if they're different because obviously I'm a white dude and. You know, for me, it's more, I mean, obviously the entertainment aspect is always going to exist just in movies in general. So I go to them first and foremost, usually for entertainment. But when it comes to black cinema, especially with the unrest that's going on today, you know, right now as we're speaking, it also lends a little bit to like an education for me, too, as a white dude. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I would think from your angle, it would be more of celebrating like a representation of yourself on film. Uh, is that is that fair to say? That's absolutely fair to say. Um, I mean, I think... You know, one, we, we, we look to movies to be able to escape and as entertainment, but they also are informative because they are a reflection on society. And sometimes I want to, like, if I'm in the mood, but that's why it's great. Like, I know for a fact if I'm in the mood, I'm going to go to this person to get this type of movie. Right. And I think it's great that we have those varying options and it's not just this one thing. Um, so I love that, that there is such choice and there is true diversity amongst black cinema well thanks for being here man you know i just want to say black lives matter i just want to say that i mean i yeah thank you yeah i mean absolutely i mean i know i'm a little podcast with you know three or four hundred listens a week but i mean come on if if the little voices the big voices whoever they are if they're saying that if they're getting the message out there i mean please guys we're you know i'm one for equality I, i think that should be something that exists and it's just a shame that we're still living with some of the hauntings from the Civil War era in in 2020. It's just crazy, man. So I mean, it, it, unfortunately, until America can cop to its greatest sin and really, truly, you know, um, one admit their wrongdoings and then justly pay for those crimes, we're we're not going to be able to move past it. Right. So we're in a watershed moment right now as a country, where with the advent of technology, we are coming together in a way that we haven't seen since. The civil rights movement i just hope that it's not empty platitudes right. and gestures not a fad and we can really try to affect some change there's a lot of work to be done mm-hmm. i'm in atlanta and you know i waited three hours to vote on tuesday that's unacceptable it's crazy i saw you that know, in the news it, here too yeah it's crazy yeah bro it, it, it it's it, it's one of those things those are those systemic things that have been put in place to suppress the vote and a lot of things that can't change this country without the vote mm-hmm. so the vote does matter um yeah. I, I i wish things were fair uh, but like I, I, I've heard say a lot of times, uh, fair is where they, a place where they judge pigs. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, true. that's, that's not necessarily life, but I'm glad that we got movies that we can be able to dive into that 
doesn't mean like oh I'm stepping away from the fight. No, the fight still rages on, right. but I am taking a breather because uh, it's 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 good to be able to podcast and watch movies and remember that. There's not just so like there's not just all this hate fueled in the world, like, you know. Yeah, right and now. you're celebrating, um, and, you, and you know, it's a it's a time to celebrate that culture as well. I mean, we're yes, we're talking about absolutely. you know we're talking about black cinema right now, but that could be you know lent to any number of things. But Heck yeah. I mean, you should always be celebrating uh, cultural things that that are there, you know. And I mean, black cinema is amazing. And like I said, I've been diving deep into it the last couple of weeks. A lot of movies that I had seen already that I just wanted to revisit for this countdown. And yeah. uh, because, you know, I, I mean, with COVID-19, everything else, you know, I'm, you know, I donate to ACLU and things like that. But I mean, it, let's be, mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm in my house. Do you know what I mean? I'm not out yeah. there in the streets like I probably should be, if I'm being honest. You know, my daughter is and a lot of people I know are, but it's like I'm here. So, you know, what can I do? What, how can I educate myself to be better? Do you know what I mean? And I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, music and movies are always very universal to me. And those two things I can go to to uh, be entertained, but also to educate myself a little bit. And I feel like I've been doing that really at home, kind of a self-study type thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's been amazing, man. And I'm really excited to talk about some of these movies with you. And I'm also very interested uh, with the different backgrounds we have, because, you know, we love each other. We're buddies, but, you know, we have different backgrounds, different upbringings. So I'm interested to see how similar our lists our lists are, if I'm being honest. So you mentioned to me, yeah. you mentioned to me on Twitter that you wanted your list to be kind of encompassing. So when you when yeah. you when you came up, did you do some honorable mentions? I guess so. When you came up with these movies, what what was your criteria there? You know, I tried to have something that was very representative of all the different genres inside of black cinema, like those subgenres. Okay, because like to try to nail it down to like. I mean, ultimately, our lifts are our top five, right? Like, they're not going to be the definitive, you know, right. we, I am not a monolith for black people. I do not speak for the Well, of course. <laughs> no, yeah. They're our, our, our personal American. favorites, right? Sure. <laughs> they are our personal favorites. So, like, it's it's going to be a mix of, like, my personal favorites. But then also, I do want to kind of have it because I will say there's been some incredible black cinema in the last five yeah. years. And then I felt kind of convicted, like... I cannot ignore the I stuff know, that I man. grew up it's on. Getting, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's getting good, man. Like I agree oh with my you. Gosh. <laughs> there's uh, you know, without giving any titles away because we're about to get into it. But there's a couple yeah. in my top. There's one in my top five, and then there's one of my honorable mentions that came out in the last couple of years. Uh, the rest of them are pretty much throwbacks to when I was being. I was really impressionable, like in the '80s and '90s. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of them are from that time period. So, uh, well, if you are you ready, man? You want to get into it? So let's go ahead so and do Col- it, bro. So Colby Max here. We're counting down our top five black films, African-American movies. I'm excited. It's a very important time in our country, and I feel like this little podcast can't do much. But, hey, we can talk about black cinema. We can celebrate that and try to get people to see these movies. But not only that, Colby, but get them to see the culture, right? And get them to see black yeah. people in different scenarios, you know, that they probably wouldn't see in their everyday life. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. So let's do it, man. Why don't you get it started off, Colby? You're the guest. I'm going to let you go first, as always. What is your number five, man? (laughs) My number five, and this is going to make me sound like such a film bro, (laughs) is... The MCU's Black Panther. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you were going to go down that path. I do not. <laughs> you know, we, we've talked about this movie before on yeah. this show, I think. Um, but I know you love this one. So go ahead. Why did you put it on here? 
Yeah, I mean, it was tough. I wanted something representative of, you know, comic book superhero movies. And obviously, in regards to black cinema, there's not a lot to choose from. Mm -hmm. You got the OG with Wesley Snipes and what he did with Blade and, you know, that trinity of films, pun fully intended. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you also have, you know, I, I consider, like, I saw Spawn. I think Spawn came out a year before Blade. I think it was 96. All I know it was 90s, but I, can't, I don't have the year on it. Michael J. Michael J. White, you know, John Leguizamo, you know, playing the uh, <laughs> the freak. Like, in, I mean, he's a, he's a black anti-hero in that instance. But Black Panther was able to do something. One, it's Ryan Coogler, who's just had back-to-back successes, you know, with Fruitvale Station, with Creed. You know, this, you know, this African-American director, young, from L.A., given over $100 million as a budget to work in a major studio action film, and it completely blows the roof off the doors. I mean, unprecedented success in regards to what it did, not only for what it did critically, a box office success, and then also a cultural success where it brought people to the movie theaters in droves for months. Mm-hmm. So much so, Disney did not know that they had this type of giant on their hands. If they did, they would have never paid that money for Spider-Man. <laughs> like, right. like, like, we were the entire crux of Civil War was to have Black Panther kind of being in that Spider-Man role. But um, hey, it's all right. That's water under the bridge, and the world that it was able to build. Right. Honestly, there's people that right now, with the way that our country is, we dream of having a Wakanda available to us right now. Yeah. Um, it's such a, and it's crazy because that story is not new. The stories of Black Panther has been around six to six, you know, since the sixties. To think of a civilization that was never colonized, you know, by you know Western society or either even European society, but somewhere that's like you know authentically African in its roots, the entire diaspora of what the Black experience is, people were able to find that inside that movie. The direction is strong. I think that the, I mean, obviously, you know, the 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 the, the art direction, the color, the wardrobe, the cast. Seeing that much melanin on screen at one time is beautiful. And it's not, I mean, unfortunately, there's a lot of colorism that you can see inside of black cinema. It was great to see the different shades of what black looks like on screen. And I mean, you have absolutely powerful and regal actors. I mean, you've you've got everybody that you can think of inside of this film. I think the writing is strong. And I think that it is emblematic of what I would want my list to be because of not only what it is as a movie, but also what it represents to people that came out to support it. Sure. And, you know, to piggyback on what you're saying there, too, it didn't make my list, but I did I did consider it and it was on my initial list before I whittled it down a little bit. But also to piggyback on what you're saying, I mean, just the uh, having that existence in the superhero realm where a black character and a, and all these black sub characters I mean, in a superhero movie, and we're not talking about just a superhero movie. I mean, like you said, this thing murdered mm-hmm. at the box office. I mean, oh my gosh, this was an absolute gigantic hit uh, for Marvel. So, I mean, that it's just crazy that it took until what was that 2018, right? That that came out. That's right. It just yeah, 2018 when it came out, and you know when it was announced, we're like oh, you know, that'd be interesting to see what it is. I mean, and just all the marketing leading up to it, you just there's a sense of pride that I had, and. You know, mm-hmm, sure. for a lot of African-Americans in this country, it was hard to cling to some of the Marvel properties because of the lack of representation. Yep. Um, a lot of it felt very tokenistic, yep. you know, like, oh, we have, you know, we got War Machine and we have <laughs> right. the Falcon. Right. right. But never were there stories about their black experience. And that's something that you can't necessarily, you know, you know, wipe away. Um, so it was nice that 
being able to have Black Panther was something like deeply significant. And also, I mean, it was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture. Yeah, yeah, ab- like great. Yeah, <laughs> that is great. insane. Great man, and a very important film in the uh, scope of Black history and cinema for sure. So, good yeah. pick. You're number five, man. Black Panther. So you know, we've talked about this before. I've jabbed at you online before. I know you love the Marvel stuff. I know you love the superhero stuff. Well, on the flip side, mm-hmm. for me, I, I love horror. Right, I'm a horror guy. So as you know, because I know you listen to my show. So as you know, I will try to fit horror in wherever I can. And there's a couple movies of the same dude that I could have thrown in here in my top five. I chose chose to go with Us by Mr. Jordan Peele. (laughs) What what were you going to say? What were you going to say? I was going to say Candyman. Candyman's a good one, actually. And I, oh, and no, that, I, that, when that new one comes out, I know uh, I, can't oh, wait, I can't wait, dude. I can't oh, wait. Gosh. Yeah, Tony Todd, I considered that one as well. So I decided to go with Jordan yeah. Peele really more than the movie itself. I just love okay what he's doing, man. I mean, he is uh, obviously a black filmmaker that is is at least to date making horror movies. He had that little stint where he hosted the Twilight Zone as well, which in in a sense is very creepy and kind of horror centric as well. But he's just kind of uh, carrying the torch right now for horror, in my opinion. I mean, obviously, Get Out was a few years before this. I also love Get Out, but I look at us and I see it's just it's black cinema, man. I mean, kind of like what you were talking about with Black Panther, but it's just so many black characters on screen. Uh, they're so they all do such an amazing job. There's not, you know, Lupita Nyong'o shines here. I mean, I feel like she is a one in this movie. Yeah. But then all the other ones have a very equilibrium kind of carrying of the film and it's Mm -hmm. it's got very scary moments it's got very eye-opening moments from that social commentary that's happening behind the curtain there that jordan's uh, frankly with the what you did with good get out as well uh but that social commentary about you know uh black people in society and a lot of the things we're actually seeing on the news right now and you can kind (laughs) of see that built into his storytelling to try to open people's eyes because you know we're talking about it with, with superhero films, and I feel like it's ironic this is my number five because with horror as well, the black representation is lacking uh, in, in horror cinema, uh, mm-hmm. much like it was in superhero films. So I feel like it's interesting that we went down this avenue for our number fives. But I don't want to give away the ending for people because this is a fairly new <laughs> film. It came out about a year ago. Literally uh, a little over a year. Uh, but I love us. I love Jordan Peele, and I wanted to make sure he got a shout out on this episode. What did you think about this movie, man? I mean, it's. I've seen the movie eleven times. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so like okay, and, and I because it's one of those things where when I first watched it, like I had to sit and think about it. I was like, "What happened?" One, it's one of the greatest trailers I've ever seen. Oh, it is. It um, really like, is. <laughs> I got five trailer, on it. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, like to have that twist, and it's interesting the comment that you made about you know the lack of black representation, you know, in horror. It's become very tropey, right? right? I mean, you can look at it in Scream 2 when you have one of this icons of like of 90s black actresses and Jada Pickett Smith, and she's killed off screen, you know, kill, killed on screen in the first like, you know, 10 minutes of the movie. Right. Kind of, you know, similar to what they did with, you know, with Drew Barrymore mm-hmm. in the first Scream, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's weird because the black audiences, they love horror films. Yeah, I know. And they rarely ever get a chance to really see themselves. I mean, you can go back to like, I guess you can if you want to. Snoop Dogg's Bones, right? Oh, or if yeah. you look at like um, t- uh, uh, Tales from the Hood, yeah, right? Sure. Like, that's a creepy movie. I mean, let me tell you something. Watching that when I was, I think I was like a little under 10 years old and seeing those slave puppets, yeah. that still terrifies sure, me, the yeah. slave puppets. I haven't seen that one in a long time. That brings back oh, some memories gosh. there, brother. Oh, my God. Or like, um, what is that? Um, what, uh, uh, Demon Knight? Like, that is some sick stuff. 
So yeah, no, I'm glad that you have this on the list. I mean, in us us is really special. I've obviously seen it so much. And like, you know, it's this suspense filled kind of like, it's driven by like such solid acting performances and that you get this dual performance from Lupita Nyong'o mm-hmm. who really should have been nominated. Oh my God, please. The best yes, uh, no like, question. It, it's crazy. I mean, back-to-back snubs in regards to like great horror performances you had the year before with Hereditary. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just crazy. I, I will say, I love everything in the film. I love the music. I love the direction. I love the performances. I love the entire aesthetic of the film. The only knock that I had on it, and it did affect the way how I rated the film, was the absence of logic in regards to explaining that world. That really matters to me. Oh, okay. I get you. Um, it It veered away from science fiction which that easily could have been the thing to kind of wipe it away Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. um and if it would have sold the sci-fi part of it more for me it would have been it would it would probably have been as equal because i do have get out as the stronger film Uh, Um, but i think it it's so hard for people to when you make a get out your second film has to be like get out plus i know know? it's 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 uh it's really strange to me that i prefer this one i I don't know. I think it's a more stylized type of film, and I think he definitely oh, yeah. it, it, Jordan Peele definitely found his footing. You know, oh, he most certainly did. Uh, his, I mean, and the the things that he does, like I, I was, I watched it so much because I'm paying attention to like every frame is saying something, mm-hmm. and everything inside of what you see on screen is so intentional, and just all the think pieces. Like even though I have Get Out as a higher rated film, I've watched Us so much more. Right. It is such a fun film. Right. Um, you know, I'm probably gonna watch it again before it leaves HBO Max. So that's it's, what it's, I'm gonna do. it's a de- <laughs> it's a deep one for sure. And like I said, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be careful not to give too much away about the plot twists and things like that. But uh, there's a lot of social commentary in here. It's a beautiful film. It's shot beautifully. Like you already mentioned, the score and the music. Uh, you know, this this guy, Jordan Peele, knows what he's doing. And, I, and I'm excited for his future and for his, you know, movies. And I hope he stays in the horror realm for as long as he possibly can because I'm digging it. So that's my number five, Us. I, did not, I have not seen it 11 times, Colby. <laughs> You've got me <laughs> be right. there. Yeah. I've probably You've seen it four or so five. so much more to go. But uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of it. So that's my five. All right. So what's your four, man? Yeah, well, let's keep the Jordan Peele train going. I got Get Out in my number okay, four Okay, all right, okay. Uh, so, like, I mean, in, in, in the same vein, like what we just talked about, this man I've been a fan of, you know, since his, you know, uh, since everything he was doing, like on Comedy Central, you know, yeah. obviously his partnership with Keegan Michael Key. Yeah. Um, I mean, I loved Keanu. It was fun. It's kind of a reverent little comedy. And comedians, honestly, they do the best work. Comedians make the best dramatic actors. Comedians work best in horror because comedians are truly like effed up individuals. Um, so they <laughs> right. completely like they they get it. And what he was able to do in this film that came out of nowhere, in my opinion, it's it's really really unique. It's a black film that doesn't necessarily feel like a black black film, but its entire commentary is speaking on like you know black appropriation Mm -hmm. to the point where it's a body snatching sci-fi horror film suspense thriller all of that thing all encompassing and it's shot so stylized i mean you got an extremely amazing performance by daniel kaluuya a academy award nominated performance in daniel kaluuya um a film that actually made me like allison williams from her girls days on hbo you know i I dig her man you know i have an interesting story about that i hate to interrupt you but i was i was a giant fan of brian williams the nbc news anchor do you remember all that when all that controversy happened a few years ago yes and he got removed from the anchor desk and i think he's on Uh i think he's on the cable msnbc now but 
Anyway, I was a huge. I used to call him Honey Bri Bri, and he was like my favorite like newscaster. <laughs> Had a really weird thing for Brian Williams, which made no sense to anyone. And that's his daughter. So I always oh, wow. kind of just I don't know. I just felt like I liked her because of his of the connection I had with him. And then I watched Girls, uh, you know, for her and for Adam Driver. And uh, I've always kind of been a fan of hers, but she is very dry, so I get it. Yeah. Uh, but and she and go ahead. She tries, like she tried to do the little Peter Pan thing on NBC right, a few years right, ago. Right, right, right. I was like, that's not working, Allison. Uh, right. <laughs> I, I agree. But, I agree. Yeah. But for her to play essentially a very unique villain in a black horror film, I thought it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Right. This film reminded me of like another horror film that I grew up on. You ever heard of uh, People Under the Stairs? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's pretty much that family, this family that like on its face looks absolutely everything all put together, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, they look like they're down. I mean, you look at, you know, what Bradley Whitford's character is. I love that characterization. This guy, I love black people. Yeah, you love them so much, you take their bodies. Like, it's great. It is right. It is absolutely nuts. I would have never have thought yeah. about it. Like I voted for Ob- I, I voted I for Obama twice. <laughs> Good to see another brother around here. Yes, of course it is. Something wrong? There you are. Mm. Do something with this. Yes, yes. Oh, hello. I'm Philomena, and uh, and you are Chris, Rose's boyfriend. Fantastic. You two make a lovely couple. Thanks. Ah, oh, where are my manners? Logan. Logan King. Chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here. That's nice. Um, Logan, I, I hate to tear you away, dear, but the Wincots were asking about you. <sighs> well, it was nice to meet you, Chris. Gosh, I mean, it it is so cool, and like, there's never been like, can we imagine Catherine Keener like any more creepy? Mm-hmm. I mean, just her stirring that tea is the scariest thing of that year. Yeah, like I'm just no, and and the, and think of how the sunken place has like come into like the you know our, our the American lexicon now. Like, yo, you're in the sunken place and stuff like like it is. It is really it's crazy how much this film was affecting to everybody and having, you know, the, uh, the, the different endings at the end of the film Mm -hmm. too. It, it's a really stark. And I, and I think for a lot of, you know, African-Americans who watched this film, it was great to see something a little bit different Mm -hmm. and know that it was authentic. Um, and it was about cultural appropriation to the greatest effect that was like an African-American horror film. I I absolutely love it. I think it is, it's a great representation of horror on my top five and I'm glad to have it in my number four spot. Yeah, it's a great film and I've already talked about my love for Jordan Peele and I I wasn't sure if you were going to go down the horror path, but I, you know, I prefer us, but I think almost because I find something new every single time with us Mm -hmm. and I'm able to pick it apart a little bit and learn more from it every time I watch it. Like us is one, us is one of those movies where it gets better literally every time I watch it. Like when I first saw Mm -hmm. it, my daughter and I went to see it last year when it came out, I I initially was kind of like, well, what? Like, I I didn't know if I liked it. Do you know what I mean? I think, I I think I gave it three stars and now it's like a four and a half star movie for me after seeing it another few times. And I feel like eventually it may be a five star film for me. Whereas get out. I like as much as I 
as much today as I did the first time I saw it, but it doesn't grow. The you know does that make sense? Like it's not. Oh yeah, because it's it's much more straightforward. I mean, us right. is a very complex you know narrative. It's really bold. It's really daring, right. and it, it, it's it's a really interesting film. And but like yeah, you're right. Like the more that I watched us, it's grown on me more. Right, and more and right, more. right, right. I watched Get Out. It was like oh, it's a nine out of ten film, and I've watched it a couple of the times, and I haven't changed. It's just much more straightforward in what it's doing. Right, great film though, and he is. I mean, yeah. he knows what he's doing. Like I said before, man. Uh, Jordan Peele, he's he's got a future ahead of him, I think. Goodness. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So get out for you, and uh, obviously, I agree with the pick. So, you know, I get into this little bit of a habit, Colby, and I actually kind of battled internally. So I want you to be honest with me on this pick because I rewatched this film today. It's going to be no mystery to anyone, and yourself included, that I love this film and this filmmaker. Uh, but I rewatched it today because I had it on my list, and I'm like, I don't know if I should put it on there. And I rewatch and I'm like, yeah, I, I am going to put it on there because at the end of the day, this is a black film. There's a black hero uh, and it's a black story. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of my favorite filmmakers ever, if not my favorite, maybe my number two, but he's up there is Quentin Tarantino. And in 2012, he did a film called Django Unchained. And that's my number four. Django! Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, I'm assuming you've seen this and you're a fan of it. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. I'm awesome. a big QT fan. Okay. Me too, man. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously this is Tarantino's screenplay and his direction, so that's why I was struggling a little bit because it's told through that lens. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But when I rewatched it, and I literally watched it today for the you know fourth or fifth time that I've seen it, and it, you know, at the end of the day, this is a revenge story where the black man is the hero and he does come out on top. And QT does a great job at revisionist history because. You know, how great would it have been had there been a freed slave that you know, just did what did what Django mm-hmm. did in this movie and just start taking out plantation owners and just, you know, blowing up their houses and shit. You know, it would have been great. You know, yeah. uh, he did it with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Sharon Tate's story. Uh, you know, he did it with um, Inglorious Bastards from the Nazi perspective. So I do like when he does this. You know, some people are, are critics of that, but I like when he does that because he takes a story that's so depressing and uh, just drains you emotionally. And he says, but what Mm -hmm. if, you know, just for a second, you know, you go to sleep and you have a dream and it ends up just this beautiful, you know, and of course that's not how life works, but, but he's making movies. He's, he's trying to entertain us. And I love his style of revisionist, uh, revisionist history. So he obviously did that with Django. Jamie Foxx is amazing in this. Uh, Christoph Waltz is in a fucking another world in this movie. Only second yeah. to Inglorious Bastards, in my opinion, from a, a mm-hmm. performance standpoint. I love, even though it's very unsavory, I love how much Leo sinks his teeth into this role of Calvin Candy, one of my favorite characters from any QT film, because of how over the top and overzealous that character is. <laughs> uh, just really diving into that character. He said, what was the line? First you had my attention. Now you have, what you yeah, what does he say? He says, uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember now. Uh, oh no, no. He, he said, first first was, you have my curiosity. Now you have my attention. Now you have my attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, that, that performance was, it, it's crazy that it wasn't nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. But I think it was so audacious that people didn't want to touch yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, just the one scene alone where they're trying to buy Broomhilda and he's oh he got gosh. and he's got the hammer and he's like, sold. Um yeah, it's just intense. And you know he really cut his hand in that yeah, scene. Yeah, he really yeah, he, yeah. Sl- he sliced open his hand. That's crazy. And he just kept going. <laughs> like, yeah. 
when I found out and then like I rewatched the film and you look at it like, yo, you could tell like completely the difference. Like there's a split second mm-hmm. where as a performer, he has to make a choice. Do I tell this director to cut or do I commit? And you could see him make that decision, at least for me okay. as an actor, All I right. saw it. I'm just like, holy shit. Yeah. That split second. He's like, damn! I really just sliced open my hand. Yeah, I wonder what but Carrie like, Washington. I wonder if Carrie Washington knew about the blood getting rubbed on her face too. I wonder if that. Oh, she. Pr- I, I'm pretty sure she had no clue. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure she had oh, no clue. Oh man, but yeah, I love Django, man. I mean, again, very similar to the Jordan Peele pick at five for me. This is more about yeah. the filmmaker, really, because I do mm-hmm. love Tarantino so much. I don't want to give away any of your list, but Jackie Brown was another one that was in the running for me for yeah. to make this list. And I decided to go with Django because it's more Tarantino-esque, in my opinion. You know, the blood's flying everywhere, and it's very violent and um, over the top. So it's it's more um, an animated Tarantino type of film, and I I enjoy it a little bit more. Even though Jackie Brown could be argued to be a better film, I enjoy Django more on a rewatch. So that's why it's my number four. I completely understand that. You know, Quentin Tarantino has a very unique... He shares a unique space in regards to the black community, right? There's some people that would call him a co-aptor, a cultural appropriator himself. And obviously his, his you know, kind of romanticization of the N-word in his films. Right, right, right. It's tough for a lot of people to swallow. So as a black man, I'll say this to your audience. He's got an invitation to the cookout and he's on his best behavior for the most part. <laughs> There's obviously caveats. He's not the greatest man, you know. Um, he's obviously put his foot in his mouth a lot. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I would tell people in the way how they critique his films, like critique the film first, and then secondarily, you could, you know, put in whatever your politics are, stuff like that, like and how he does things. He is collaborating with black creatives, actors and actresses on set, and producers and other people behind the camera. If they found it inappropriate, they would let him know and have no problem doing it. Right. Okay. Um, so for a lot of those folks who are like he shouldn't do you don't you don't think he's talked to Samuel L. Jackson, the guy that he's been working with for over 30 right, years? Right, right. <laughs> okay, like like I'm pretty sure he'd be like, listen, motherfucker. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you gonna have to like you gonna have to dial this back. All right. <laughs> yeah, you like, need to get you know, a couple of rewrites I, going. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, you are flying off a little bit too much. You like that word more than me. Right. Okay. Right. So <laughs> but it's so I get it and it does not offend me at all. Um, it's one of those things like I, I always use this. It's like you know, that um that judge back in like the 60s or 70s with Deep Throat. Like, I don't know what porn is, but I know it when I see mm-hmm. it, right? I don't know when it's wrong until I see it, and I haven't seen him do it wrong yet. Okay. But that's also, that's me and my barometer, right? Sure. But Jang Wan Chain, it, it's it's a fantastic film. It's it's crazy to think what it would have been like if Will Smith would have taken the role. I know. It is nuts to think I know. that that was his role. And I was like, man, I don't know. But I mean, I love... I love Jamie Foxx. Yeah, as me a too, performer. man. He's, he, he, is, he truly is one of the best performers, you know, that are working today. He doesn't get enough credit. I mean, he's very versatile, just multi-talented. And it was a it was an absolute great performance. I mean, an all-star cast and such strong writing. Um, mm-hmm. And funny, it's a, it's and a, funny. Like, and, you know, for I mean, for the time very, period and for the subject funny. matter, I mean, there were some funny scenes in this, man. Like, you know, it's a, it's a testament to, and I don't want this to turn into a Tarantino love fest on a black cinema discussion, hey. but... <laughs> it's all right. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's a testament to him how, you know, he can make a scene with them putting on their KKK hoods to ride in to kill Waltz and uh, Jamie Foxx. Fun. I mean, you know the scene I'm talking about where the eye, mm-hmm. the eye holes were yep. too small and they have that whole dialogue, you know? <laughs> With Don Johnson, and well, it's just hilarious, you know. I mean, but that's 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 the same thing that those you know those auteurs, 
they get it and know how to poke fun at something while so they, we can use the bad thing and making fun of it and we're all in on the joke it's the same thing that Taika Waititi did you know with Jojo right, Rabbit right, like right, right. we are all in on the joke and if you want to be that you know I don't want to say uppity well yeah I'll say uppity like to not get it then that's on you 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 missed the joke right. okay um, and it's one of those things like you, you'll see it if it's done bad this wasn't done bad at all. Exceptional choice. I think that is, I think it's a really strong, I, I don't know that a lot of folks would consider it a black That's what film. I was worried about, Colby. That's why I wanted yeah. you to tell me because I, I had it on my list and then I wanted to rewatch yeah. it to make sure I wanted to keep it on there. But it's about a black, essentially, you know, um, Civil War area, you know, era superhero. Right, I mean, right, you know, this, right. This, you know it's, a, it's a freed slave that and, is going And I also and, really respected and appreciated when I watched it back today. I mean, I knew this obviously because I'd seen it, mm-hmm. but I also kind of, it, what kind of clicked a light bulb for me that I was going to leave it on the, in the top five, at least, was that, mm-hmm. you know, because Waltz, his character, uh, King Schultz, you know, dies. So they mm-hmm. took away the element of the white savior, too, which, yes. uh, you know, is unfortunately a thing that just is constant in, you know, mm-hmm. where you have a black kind of sub character, if you will, because the white person has to be the hero. Uh, yeah. And they take him out. And Jamie Foxx, you think, is at rock bottom when he's hanging upside down in the barn. And. Guess what? He's not. He comes back and he's the one that yep. essentially, you know, takes takes care of business, uh, not Waltz. You know, I love King yeah. Schultz in this movie and I think he's amazing. But I also respected that Tarantino was brave enough to do that to where he put the last half hour of the film on the black man's shoulders and he won in the end, you know, and he rides off into the sunset, so to speak, with Kerry Washington. So uh, that's really what I was like, yep, you know what? I'm going to keep it on there because that those were all black characters that were triumphant in the end, you know, and I know it's Tarantino yeah. behind the camera, but I, I see it as, I see it as a black film. You know, I, I see it as a black film. Hey, completely. I, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. I mean, I love it. So I'm glad I was able to mm-hmm. squeeze it on here. So that's my four, man. All right, Colby Max. So you're up, man. What's your number three, buddy? Bro, this is so hard. Cause I really wanted to make sure like, this, this is Colby's definitive top five of black cinema, but it has to be to him and it has to be representative. And I was waffling back and forth, and I wanted to go with something lighter, right? Um, I kind of had light with Black Panther, and then I had darker, you know, with Get Out. And I could have went another way, because I only got a few more spots left. But this is a film, I remember pinning it on my shirt when I worked for Universal Studios Hollywood, and they asked me, what is my favorite Universal movie? Mm-hmm. And I said, The Wiz. And nice. don't get me wrong, obviously The Wizard of Oz is an absolute classic. It's a very classic film. Isn't it's the film that brought us color on the big screen, right? Right. No pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> now, The Wiz was able to bring us Motown with the story of the Wizard of Oz for a lot of folks that felt so detached from that. You sure. know, we don't have Dorothy's where I grew up. You know, we don't got no Toto's where I grew up. <laughs> so to be able to kind of have that a little bit differently with a lot more flavor and seasoning and growing up with that, with the music of Motown, with Michael freaking Jackson, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, with, with Diana Ross, with all these fabulous, you know, Motown performers and Broadway stars in this huge, like over the top set piece, like just is on down, is on down, down the road. Mm-hmm. Don't carry nothing that might be alone. Don't you? Is on down, is on down, down the road. Yo, I love this movie so much. Like the fact I, I love fantasy, and you definitely do not get black fantasy films. Mm-hmm. Like they're they don't exist. This right. is probably the closest that we get to it. So I figured, okay, I've got superhero, I've got this sci-fi thriller horror. This would be the closest thing I could find to black fantasy. And 
it was able to, through song, speak on some of the plights of being black in America in a very, like, you know, like, in a very underhanded way. Right. It was not overt at all. They really wanted to kind of keep it that way, but it still had that same soul and flavor. And if you know the bones of, you know, the Wizard of Oz, it's exactly that, but this is so much cooler. So, yes, uh, The Wiz. That's awesome, three. man. Do you have the year on that, Colby? Oh, I think it's 1980. That's 80s, right? Yeah, it is definitely, def- def- most definitely an 80s film. I haven't seen that since I was young, dude. I, I barely even remember it, but I am a huge fan of The Wizard of Oz, and I remember that was what intrigued me enough to, to catch it. Uh, but I probably haven't seen that since I was like 12 or 13 years old. Oh, excuse me, 1978. There you go. So even longer. Damn. Yeah. Wow. I need to revisit that, man. I told you I was deep into black cinema, so I'm going to take it. I'm going to put eyes on that again. I, I wonder if it's streaming, but yeah, uh, if you get, if you, yeah, get so, if you get a chance to try to find it somewhere, um, I, I think it's really, really special. All right. So the whiz from 1978. So uh, my number three is much different <laughs> than the whiz. Okay. Uh, my number three, I also rewatched in the last week or so. And, uh, you know, uh, two brothers uh, at the, Direct in the director's chair here, two black gentlemen, the Hughes brothers, just a hard hitting movie, man, from 1993 called Menace to Society. Mm. My number three. You seen this one? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I was trying, I, w- I was, I was going to put a crime film in that number three spot, but I didn't want to have too much dark kind of representative of it, right? Yeah. Um, obviously, in 1993, you know, at that time, yeah. I am super young. You know, I'm seven years old. And I'm watching this with my family, but not completely understanding it. Yeah. And then by the time as I got older, it was hard to try to reintroduce a lot of those elements. Like if I'm in like middle school age or like in my, you know, preteen and stuff like that, where I'm just like, Mm -hmm. that's not really like, there was nothing that I was doing to kind of enhance it because at that point in time, I'm living in Yonkers, New York, right outside the Bronx. Like I can step outside and see this every day. Right. 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 Um, And that's where you had gangster rap at like the precipice of being like in its apex. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's exactly what medicine society was. It was chronicling all of that. And yeah, I I think definitely worthy. There's so many films that are like it. You could almost pick like a a bunch of different ones. Yeah. This could almost be a top five list on its own. If you wanted to do these kind of like, you you know, Black, I guess what do you call it? Black crime? or I guess black. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Crime gangster. I'm not sure. But yeah. But what Menace to Society did for me, because I know I don't want to take away from your list. There's a couple others that are probably more prominent than this and that would jump mm-hmm. into people's mind quicker. Um, mm-hmm. And I love those also. I don't want to give the titles away right now, but they, they'll come up in my honorable mentions if you don't talk about them. Mm-hmm. But the reason I chose Menace to Society is because this film fucking blew me away when I saw it, bro. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I graduated in 94, so I was like a junior, maybe a senior in high school when I saw this. So mm-hmm. I was the age that a lot of these young kids in the movie were. And what it did for me as a white kid in North Carolina <laughs> seeing this movie is it, you know, it opened my eyes to that world that existed because this was literally, this literally came out the same year or like a year after the Rodney King verdict. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, we just saw George Floyd in the news recently. I mean, Rod, this this happened in the 90s with Rodney King, guys. I mean, yeah. and these these cops got off in 1992, I want to say, and Menace Society came out in 93. So it was on the heels of just an angry country. I mean, the country was in turmoil at the time, very similar to what it is now. And uh, it humanized for me, and I'm talking about for me, Colby, as a white dude, uh, again, on the East Coast, uh, it humanized these um, kind of figures in the news that were always seen as as criminals and bad guys, if that makes sense. And Menace to Society really showed me like, 
okay, yeah, they might be, but this is them behind closed doors. You know, they have mm-hmm. they have friends, they have family, they 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 love people. They're they're married. You know, they have kids, so on and so forth. Uh, and it kind of like brought a human element to to the very unsavory media coverage, if that makes sense for what I'm trying oh, yeah. to say. Uh, and I feel like Menace Society did that. Obviously, the music's amazing. I love the Hughes, mm-hmm. Bro- Hughes Brothers' Dead Presidents. is another great film. I've seen lots of people killed before, but I ain't never done it myself. I mean, I never had a reason to. But when they killed my cousin, I knew I was going to kill them. Hey, man, so you like my little tape, don't you? Yeah, that shit was cool, nigga. Yeah, nigga, but that's a problem. You should have came to the wax point. You could have did it much better. Oh, shit, nigga. It's all about old dog, nigga. You know, I'm larger than that nigga, Steven Seagal. I'm going to be a big-ass movie star off that shit. Look, nigga, I told you to stop showing the fucking tape. And why you keep on bitching about my tape, man? God damn, ain't shit going to happen. All right? All right? Damn, and we just gonna find these little marks and smoke them. Shit ain't that hard. As long as it ain't no crowd. Look, I'm not killing no kids on no old folks, all right? <laughs> hey, man, who the fuck gonna be old out there at 12 o'clock at night, bitch? Shit, nigga, I smoke anybody, nigga. I just don't give a fuck. Shit, I'm gonna hit this shit, nigga. Look, all right, not me, all right? I'm not killing no kids. And you know what, nigga? You act like a little bitch right now. You act real paranoid and shit. Now these motherfuckers smoked your goddamn cousin in front of you, nigga. Blew his head off in front of your face, and you ain't gonna do shit. You acting like a little bitch right now, nigga. Man, fuck that, I ain't letting that shit ride. We gonna go ahead and smoke all these motherfuckers. I don't care who the fuck out there. God damn it, is you down, nigga? Man, both of y'all shut the fuck up. Both of y'all acting like some motherfucking bitch shit. Scared to kill these punk ass niggas cap. Look at my motherfucking joint, nigga. Fuck you, nigga. So it's in your face, man. I mean, like you mm-hmm. said, I mean, you know, this movie opens with O-Dog, who's a fucking crazy maniac, <laughs> uh, blowing away a guy because he looked at him funny. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like in a convenience store. I mean, it is a very, you know, some people, uh, the Hughes brothers, have I've seen interviews with them. Some people have said, you know, it was a, it was a very realistic um, take on the early 90s. And, you mm-hmm. know, because this was in Watts, which, of course, has a history of rioting as well. Yeah. Uh, so it was very realistic as well. Um, and I just applauded a major uh, motion picture studio putting this on the big screen, man. I, cu- I couldn't believe that they did. And seeing that as a senior in high school, I mean, you got to imagine, especially me as a kind of a sheltered white kid, you know, um, I, I kind of credit Menace to Society with kind of uh, opening my eyes to black culture in a lot of different ways. So that's why it's on my list, man. Yeah, I think what's great about this time in filmmaking, you know, for black storytellers was it's weird that in the 70s, the romanticization of the gangster flick drama, the mob dramas, right? They're like heralded. And we saw, you know, the the Corleones and the Vitos and stuff like that as human. But yet for a lot of folks, they were very resistant to recognize that these gangster films, when they were come, you know, told by, you know, black storytellers, you know, when they're in gangs and they're like, you know, gangbanging and stuff like that, that they weren't human. I always found that mm-hmm. really interesting, you mm-hmm. know, because um, they're doing so much of the same thing. Right. So much of the same thing. Right. Um, but yet they are viewed completely different. And essentially, like, that is, th- those are those, the conditionings that we've had, you know, as as the stories have been told, right? And I I love the films of that ilk 
and you know we'll talk about them a little bit later mm-hmm. men's society was a little bit like i won't say lower for me i just couldn't appreciate it because of my age you know at the time but i mean it's absolutely strong and it's one of those where like it is in your face it is very blunt and for a lot of folks it's a world that they would never understand um but i think the hughes brothers do something good with they knew who their audience was and how they were building that film for them right right and that meant a lot Right. Yeah. I mean, and I know it's, you know, and I wanted to ask you as a black man, I mean, I, it, it's unsavory, right? I mean, the mm-hmm. the way that it's portrayed on, but it's so exciting, man. Yeah. This was New Line Cinema, which I love for Nightmare on yeah. Elm Street reasons, <laughs> but this was New Line Cinema. And, you know, I'm, I'm rewatching it about a week ago and I'm going, man, this, I've seen this three or four times. I'm so into, like, I'm so invested yeah. in what's happening. It's so intense, man. And, you know, of course, movie making is going to take liberties, but I feel like in Watts, L.A. in 1993, that probably was life as a black man. It was oh, just absolutely. literally on edge, like 24 hours a day that, you know, if you're going through a drive through at a burger place, you could be jacked or shot or whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was a true depiction of black life back then. It most certainly was. Times were desperate and people were trying to make ends meet any way they can. Um, you know, you had the removal of black father figures in many households during that time. Mm-hmm. So they weren't the things that your dad is supposed to teach you about life and valuing life mm-hmm. that was removed because of the crime bill and things of that nature. Like you, right. all the things that we can kind of like point to, you know, like mm-hmm. we, I, I'm not saying we can explain it away. I can just I don't not, just, not even justify I can understand how people would make those those choices and decisions. Yeah. And so, yes, like Menace Society was very true to life. All right, cool. And I would, and if you guys don't know the Hughes brothers, seek them out. They're great filmmakers. They do great yeah. stuff. It's very hard-hitting stuff, but it's great. So uh, Menace Society, my number three, we're up to our runner-ups, Colby. Yeah, and you're up first, man. What do you got? Yeah, so I mean, you know, at, at this point, it, it's crazy. We don't have like a Spike Lee joint in here yet. So it's time to be able to introduce one. Here we go. Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead in my number two spot. And it was tough. It's not that I didn't only have I didn't want to only have one Spike Lee film, but we really could have done a whole Spike Lee top five, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> but I chose Malcolm X. Okay, um, Malcolm X. I've got a Spike Lee movie on my list, but it's in my honorable mentions. But it's not okay. Malcolm X. So talk about that one. Yeah, I mean Malcolm X is one. It's always great what a biopic can do, right? And you'll notice that a a a good lot of you know black films. Our biopics because we have so many great figures that have fought for the cause in a lot of varying ways that have had films to pay homage to um you know in a political sense in the athletic sense you know in the music space i, I mean yo ray was a fantastic biopic shout out to jamie fox for that okay. best actor win um unfortunately denzel washington was <laughs> snubbed for a win from alchem x tough year yeah. you know during the academy awards at that time but this three plus hour epic yeah. like it truly is an epic chronicling the entire journey of a malcolm x that was not taught to me in school and i love that this film this is my history book because mm-hmm. the little bit that you get of malcolm x in you know 11th grade history is nowhere you know near to be able to kind of describe how complex this man is and the two different lives that he led you know when we hear the words malcolm x to a lot of folks we think, oh, he's the anti-MLK. He's the angrier MLK. We forget that this guy was a criminal, served years in prison, reformed his life, you know, found the, you know, um, the, the Islamic faith and transformed his life to be a beacon of justice in a different way because it wasn't playing anymore. Mm-hmm. These are the questions. These are the 
questions you and I have to ask. How did we get this mind? You're not an American. You're an African who happens to be an American. You have to understand the difference. We didn't come over on the, the Nita, the Pinta, and the, and, the, and the whatchamacallit. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. Landed right on top of us. Shorty, is that you, brother? Praise be to Allah. Now, this is exactly what I'm talking about, the slave mentality, the slave mind. This brother and I, we had the slave mind. We used to rob together. We used to sleep with white women. We even went to prison together. Now, don't be surprised when I say we went to prison because some of y'all still in prison right now. Prisons of your mind. Stand up, brother. Come on. <laughs> your brother's a little shy. Come on, brother. Give me a hug. Yeah. That's all right, brother. That's all right. Look, he still got his hair fried. That's all right, though. That's the slave mind. That's the slave mind. It's an iconic figure. I mean, one, it, it, it's so cool. You'll, we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. Like, <laughs> right. It, it, it's 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 nuts. It is it's it's such a powerful film. Well, you know the the civil rights movement in the '60s is very intriguing to me, man. It wasn't it wasn't school as well. It wasn't college, and it still is today. Mm-hmm. And you know, you got MLK, which is obviously probably the first name that jumps to people's minds, the front yep. of their minds. But Malcolm X, Medgar Evers. I mean, these guys without their individual contributions, where mm-hmm. would we be? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, in other words, MLK could not have done this by himself. Malcolm could not have done this by yeah. himself. So they are different, but they needed each other, right? Yeah, people forget. Like, they make it seem like it was just Martin Luther King Jr. civil rights movement. He was not omnipresent. He couldn't be anywhere. He couldn't be in Alabama and in Georgia at the same time. We needed these different people to be able to lead in their own way. Because, understandably so, Martin Luther King Jr. was not the monolith that was representing the entire voice, you know, for black and civil in the civil rights movement. Like, that just was not the case. Um, And these were all men that respected who each other were in their different spaces. They never, like, dogged or denounced anybody to, you know, within certain reasons. But what Spike Lee was able to do in depicting, essentially, this is true American history. You know, um, and it, it, it's very blunt. And I mean, just the cast you have in there, you know, we got Wendell Pierce. You got, um, oh man, Teresa Randall, who's like been working with Spike for so long. Um, mm. Angela Bassett, great yeah. performance as, you know, Betty Shabazz. Um, uh, it's great. Delroy Lindo. You know, I cannot wait to watch The Five Bloods tomorrow. I uh, know. I'm, oh, I'm looking gosh. forward to that one too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I'm hearing so many great things. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's such a beautiful picture. And I've watched it probably at least 10 times. And it's... Um, it's 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 just a fascinating film, and what Denzel does as a performer, it is completely oh, transforming. Great, yeah, it, no, it, 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 it really really is. He's one of the greatest living actors, man. I mean, just I mean, just amazing, amazing actor. So, uh, Malcolm X, your runner up, man. Good pick, yeah. good pick. I'm glad Spike Lee got a little love on the show mm-hmm. to start us off here with uh, the, yeah. the Spike Lee love. So my number two, my runner up is a comedy. So we, we, ha- we haven't really gone comedy yet, with the exception, I we guess, maybe, maybe of The Wiz, maybe. I don't know. Musical comedy, musical fantasy. Mm-hmm. But it's coming to America, man. Yeah! I mean, <laughs> what, what am I going to do, man? <laughs> oh, do? what am I going to do? I mean, Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, an absolute just, Tour de force. just laugh fest hilarity. Uh, but it all it all glorifies black culture and it all shines on these black actors and characters in this movie. Uh, there's only a few white ca- main characters sprinkled throughout. I mean, it is a black film. 
you know, I think you have Eddie Murphy doing white face. Yes, you do. Yes. <laughs> and some of my favorite scenes from this man are when oh, him, when gosh. him and Arsenio, you know, go in dual character, like the barbershop scene and um, sexual chocolate. You know, sexual chocolate. <laughs> Bro, I mean, OK, so one, this is the movie I have watched this movie literally over 100 times. <laughs> yeah, um, I love it. Yeah. It's my favorite. It's my favorite movie of all time. And um, it, it's it's so great. Good morning, my neighbors. <laughs> fuck hey, you. fuck you. <laughs> yes. yes, yes. Fuck you too. <laughs> it's so good, Bro, man. It's it so good. So soul great. glow, soul glow. The whole soul glow just bit. You know. Show, oh gosh. Oh, you don't understand. Oh, but I man. can get transported back. And like, I had no business watching this movie as early as I did. You know, right? Um, and and watching it as a kid with my mom, and like, obviously, if I'm watching at four years old, right? Mm-hmm. I don't get all the references. All I know is that yo, there's that funny guy who's constantly always making me laugh and stuff like that. Yeah, like, this is great. You got James Earl Jones like completely in his regalness and stuff like that. It is, it is absolutely phenomenal. It oh, really Sherry is. Shepherd. Oh lord. Oh yeah. Sherry, and I, I, mean, I can't Sherry, wait. Sherry Headley. Oh gosh. And I can't wait like, for this sequel too. Yo, Lisa was my dream. Like I was like you. There's never been a final one. <laughs> he picked right. Yes, he did. Hell yeah. Ooh. Oh my God. I, I, yes. And I don't want it to get lost in the shuffle that this was directed by John Landis too. Yeah. Uh, American Werewolf in London. And look at that, man. I mean, you know, the, the work that he, you know, he was, he was a good friend of, obviously he's working with Michael Jackson, a lot of this stuff. Um, and then he had a close relationship. I think, I think it was Michael Jackson that recommended John. I, I got to remember that. I think there was like, a, I think I heard that as well. Between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just so great. And then the, the tie-ins that you get in the trading places. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> like It was like, wow, there's an Eddie Murphy cinematic universe before we had any idea what cinematic universes were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Coming to America is literally a, a rewatchability of 100%. Like, I could put yes. it on at any day, any night, mm-hmm. anything that's going on in my life, and I could enjoy it. I can't wait for the fucking sequel. I hope they don't mess it up this year. So Okay, all I, right. I, I have hope. This is my most prized possession cinematically. Yeah, exactly. I, I do, like, but it's not going to invalidate it or anything like that. It's no, just like, sure. Oh, you know, it, it's a little bit too past its prime, but it's whatever. But I was surprised with the success of Bad Boys for Life that I'm like, okay, I think that a, a, a sequel, you know, 20, 30 years later may be able to work for, you know, but um, we'll see. We'll All right. See. Well, we will see. I'm excited. So coming to America, I absolutely love it. That's my runner up. So we are up to our number ones, Colby Mack. And I don't know. You just said coming to America is your favorite movie of all time. So I don't know if I'm guessing it's your one or if you went a different direction. What do you got? The Royal Penis is Clean, Your Highness. <laughs> yes, it is my number one. Coming to America. Nice. Without a doubt. Uh, right. She's your queen. <laughs> it's too good. To it is too good. To be. Oh, my God. Like. We we just spent like you know minutes on it. it. It's a fantastic movie. If you have never watched Coming to America, folks, you're doing yourself a disservice. Absolutely. It's one of the funniest movies of all time. My absolute number one favorite film forever. Um, it's so just, good, man. But between Wakanda and Zamunda, like I don't know which one I'd want to be in. Like I'd love just like kind of like being able to flip flop between both of them. Um, but seeing that much black talent on screen, mm-hmm. it was. It was it was really really great to be able to have that you know in the late '80s and it had such this soul to it. You be you're able to get and feel New York, you know, um, a part of New York that not many people got to see on film. Like this is Queens. It's different than you see like Manhattan and stuff like that. Right. Queens is 
unique and i mean what that was one of the early uh, was that yes that was samuel L. jackson's uh first uh first uh, yeah i know he, he had a cameo i was going to mention him i was going to mention louis anderson cuba gooding yeah. has a small role where he's just sitting in the in the <laughs> barber's the chair. chair um but yeah i don't know if it was sam jackson's first movie but he's in it he's the robber that comes into mcdowell's yeah. um yeah I, I mean obviously a love fest for coming to america here so that's your mm-hmm. one huh oh <laughs> Take us to Queens at once. You sure you guys want to go to Queens? A couple rich fellas like you should be in Manhattan. Stay at the Waldorf or the palace. The palace sounds good. Take us there. No, I want Queens. We're not rich. We're ordinary African students. Whatever you say, pal. What part of Queens you want? Take us to the most common part. That's easy. There's one thing Queens has got a lot of. It's common parts. What does dumb fuck mean? That's my one, baby. All right. I'm digging it, man. I'm digging it. We had a little crossover there, so I'm, yeah. I'm excited about I'm that. I'm glad that I was able to get a comedy in my top five. I feel really, really solid with what I represented <laughs> in my top right. five. <laughs> right. Well, my number one is a movie that I watched in history class uh, when I was in high school. I want to oh. say they—I want to say they showed this to us in eleventh grade, tenth or eleventh grade. I know what it is. When we were still, <laughs> I, <when> <laughs> I bet Denzel Washington's in it. He is. Uh, <laughs> when we were studying the Civil War, but it's a—you're—you're you're right. It's a movie called Glory mm-hmm. uh, from 1989. So Denzel is—oh man, God, dude! That, I mean, this was when I was that introduced one damn to him. tear, bro. <laughs> yes, that just the scene where they um, encounter the white soldiers on the path and all the black guys kind of have a little verbal confrontation with them. Uh, I mean, OK, so the, for those of you that don't know, Glory is a story that takes place during the Civil War. And Matthew Broderick is leading the first uh, troop of all black soldiers um, to uh, for the Union Army to defeat the Confederacy. And they are eventually going to be storming their ultimate goal but you know most of the movie is him training them because they were previously enslaved mm-hmm. uh and so on and so forth so now they're freed men that are fighting for the union uh under matthew broderick um carrie elways is in there is kind of like his right hand man mm-hmm. uh we already mentioned denzel just a just a great cast and this movie is cool because it's one of the very few things morgan freeman too by the way who yeah was pretty young in his career, to be honest. Not young in his career, but I mean, <laughs> young, young in his youngness. Yeah, he's been, not really he's young. Been perpetually, I mean, up, at that point, he was perpetually sixty. Now he's perpetually eighty. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what's cool about Glory, man, and it's a testament because I mentioned how they showed it to us in high school, right? But what's cool about Glory is because it does entertain you, but it's a history lesson because it's based on a true story. Yep. And it was Edward Edward Wick was the director, and he has a really good knack for a biopic. And this is a really good biopic, and that's what it is. And it really kind of can tell you a story that you might not otherwise know in your history books. And, you know, we were learning about the Civil War, uh, but, you know, in the 90s, I don't know how it is today. I would imagine it's probably the same. But in the 90s, they weren't talking about the first all-black Union Army in my history books. Mm -hmm. Do Do you know what I mean? So had glory not been made, I may not even know that this was a thing. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, uh, it's a powerful story, man, and it's also a history lesson. So I'm a big history buff. So Glory is my number one. Are you a fan of this? 
Oh, I am. Um, yeah, because the first time that I saw it was inside a history class. It's interesting how much that that was a part of, to the best of my knowledge, so much of the curriculum across the entire country. And you would think that it would teach not only, you know, black Americans, but every American in this country, how, what the plight of slavery was, where we're in a country that had a part of the union secede as a primarily, I mean, other stuff, you know, states, rights, stuff like that, but primarily as a result of wanting to keep and own slaves, Mm -hmm. those slaves then had to fight for a country that after the war did not want them for the most part. Obviously things were different more up North, but it's crazy to think that this would be a great thing. Like, okay, if you didn't know, then every person in the nineties knew that this is something that happened and yet are unable to trace like, Oh, why are like, you know, why do black people not try hard enough? Well, if you recognize this was less than a hundred, you know, this is a little over a hundred years ago and you can kind of understand why things are so difficult. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. You know, um, and it's, it's, it's crazy, but you're absolutely right. This particular story isn't talked about. Like I distinctly, you know, 11th grade was when I had us history and it was one of my favorite subjects that I had in high school. Um, but the amount of time that's dedicated to this mm-hmm. is quite small. Mm-hmm. And it's really unfortunate, but like, you know, those who have power are those who write history. Exactly. And it's the history that they choose to tell. So I'm thankful for movies and I'm thankful for different writers that are able to get accounts of folks um, to be able to, you know, have these stories told. Um, it's a very harrowing story. Um, obviously, it doesn't end in a very pretty way. No, you know, uh, you know, and, and that 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 was kind of heartbreaking. Like, because I didn't know. Like, it wasn't like I didn't know that we didn't win, but it's like, what happens to them specifically? Right, 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 right. right. Um, that's the part that I was just like, no, like I wanted them to like, you know, maybe like I'm like friends with their great grandkids or something like that right now. And and if you, you know, want to, if you guys want to look back, if you've never seen Glory and you don't, you know, you don't want to dive into the movie as a whole, uh, look up the scene with Freeman and Denzel Washington when. Freeman, Freeman gives him that speech and you can see Denzel's character kind of turns from the like kind of ornery kind of like mm-hmm. asshole for lack of a better way to put it yeah. uh, and kind of like gets on board with the cause you know what I mean and, and Morgan Freeman tells him like you know he's using the n-word and he's like I'm you know you're the the n-word here do you know what I mean <laughs> like you're the yeah. one that's you know everything that you're kind of talking against that's you you know and we mm-hmm. need we need you to kind of look inside yourself and, and join this cause because you know you can't do it on your own do you know what i mean what are you so full of hate you just want to go out and fight everybody because you've been whipped and chased by hounds well that might not be living but it sure as hell ain't dying and dying's what these white boys been doing for going on three years now dying by the thousands dying for you fool i know because i dug the graves and all the time I'm digging, I'm asking myself, when, when, oh Lord, is going to be our time? Well, time's coming when we're going to have to ante up. Ante up and kick in like men. Like men! You watch who you call a nigger. Then the niggers around here is you. Smart mouth, stupid ass, swamp running nigger. You ain't careful. That's all you ever gonna be. Uh, and that's a that's, very powerful scene between those two yeah. now legendary actors. But in '89, we didn't know they were going to be legendary. You know? Nah. I mean, shoot, Denzel was doing TV work. You know, <laughs> so it was definitely, right, right. definitely different. But that what he got? Uh, he got nominated for best supporting actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Oscar uh, for that. So tremendous film, definitely worthy of the number one. I think it kind of goes a bit unheralded in regards to, like it being a black film, only because like when it comes to war films. We know what our place is in history, and a lot of folks 
it, that's a that's a that's a tough spot to try to revisit, right? Right. right. You know, um, it's the same thing like I we were talking about like with Django. It's like you know, it, it, we know that when we're talking about during those times what we were and what I, we were considered as. I get it, man. That's, that, that's why I, you know, I, I we could have talked about this at the top, you know, but I, that's why I all I was off. I was talking to my wife about it actually, and that's why I was talking to her, and I was like, you know, what is a black film? Do you know what I mean? You know, like, is it a movie that? has a black cast is it a movie that's about the black experience is it a black history movie you know what i mean so i did so mm-hmm. i kind of did everything i kind of did all that you know really um yeah. and i feel like this is obviously a history lesson in uh well this particular troop because it was the first of the, of its kind yeah. and like i said it's unfortunate that with the exception of glory you don't you wouldn't know about it i mean right yeah. i mean i'm not crazy there i, I don't think it's really being published on a mass scale with the exception of the success of this movie. So I felt like that was important um, uh, because it ultimately led to the end of slavery, you know? Yeah. So um, I, I, you know, I, they, they say that this, this story that's in the, that's depicted in the movie with Robert Gould Shaw uh, is what ultimately turned the tide to win the war, the civil war for them. So without that happening, I mean, you know, I don't want to think about it, but where would we be? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Woo! I don't know. HBO wanted to tell a, a series about it. I, I know. <laughs> I saw that too. I'm like, guys, we don't need that right now. We yeah, don't need that. it. <laughs> mm. All right, Colby. So there you go, man. Why don't you round out your top five for everybody? Just remind them what it was. Yeah. So at number five, we had the MCU's The Black Panther. Um, at number four, we had uh, the, the Jordan Peele's Get Out. Number three, the Wiz, number two, Spike Lee's Malcolm X, number one, Coming to America. There you go. Uh, my top five, my number five was Us by Jordan Peele. Number four was Django Unchained. The D is silent. Number three was Menace to Society. My number two was Coming to America. And my number one was Glory from 1989. So we're going to head over to social media, Colby, and shout out some fans here in a moment to yeah. wrap to wrap up the episode. But before we do that, you know, I like to round up my top 10. So I have five honorable mentions here. Uh, do you have any that you didn't, that didn't make your five that you want to shout out? It was be kind of hard. I, I was tough trying to pick between a couple of different Spike Lee joints. Do the right thing. Yeah. would have been uh, in my top 10 um, if I had it that way. It's kind of hard to talk about the black experience. And it's crazy how that film right now is like the conversations that were being had in that film are still being had today mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. it's crazy it really <laughs> like, is. we really it, it feels like we haven't really grown too too much uh you know from those conversations um in regards to like another kind of crime film new jack city mm-hmm. that Good is one. like like you know i mean menace society new jack city um you boys know boys in the, in the hood, hood mm-hmm. you know fresh you know uh juice, juice. yeah sure yeah. oh man you know yo tupac would have been like gosh that guy I consider Juice actually. I love that movie when it came out, man. Yeah, man. It's it's definitely it it it's it's a it was a unique film and a really cool take. Um, also, I had the um, uh, Soul Food. Okay, yeah, a mm-hmm. black family drama where that is very emblematic. And also, like growing up in the nineties, if you when you went over to like a black person's house, their DVD stand had like pretty much had these films like they they didn't have those in there they weren't doing it right so drumline drumline <laughs> right. was inside that dvd stand remember the titans was in there love and basketball love jones sure. the wood like those, those are all sure there. yeah 
<laughs> yeah, it's like the starter kit, right? <laughs> yes, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> the black right. DVD starter kit with these two right. films. Well, let me round out my top ten real quick, man. There's a few that haven't been mentioned. My number six was a film that was in the same vein as Django, where I think of it as a black film because of the okay. ultimate ending. But when I was looking at it, I was like, there's only like two main black actors in this. It wasn't directed by a black person. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put in my honorable mentions because I love it so much. <laughs> I want to shout it out. I want to see what Colby thinks of it. But it's a movie uh, by Joel Schumacher called A Time to Kill. Are That's you- a black film. It isn't? Okay. All right. Well, yes, they deserve to die. And I hope they burn in hell. Uh, yes, it's a black film. <laughs> you know, what really affected me about that movie, Colby, and I'm going to be honest with you, this came out in 96. So I was, again, oh I was God. fresh out of high school. I was young, right? What really affected me in this movie is a lot of what's happening whenever this comes up, like with George Floyd right now and so on, mm-hmm. is he has that, uh, his closing arguments at the end of that movie, Matthew McConaughey, who's a white dude, obviously. Close your eyes. Yeah, oh my yeah, close oh, your eyes. And he does the story of, you know, Sam Jackson's daughter and the crime that they're on trial for. And then he says, now imagine she's white, you know. And everybody on the jury is white. I'm white. You know, probably the majority mm-hmm. of the people seeing this movie at the time were white. And that is what I feel like a lot of the Black Lives Matter movement is is like, think about it, guys. We're not saying all lives don't matter. All lives do yeah. matter, of course. I mean, human life does matter. But who's being persecuted here? Who's being killed in the streets? Like, imagine if that was a white person. Uh, you know, what happened to George Floyd. You know, that's kind of what McConaughey was saying in a way in that movie 20 years ago. So that was what really affected me and what made me think of this as a black film because... It is. You know what I mean? I know it was written by John Grisham and it's stylized, mm-hmm. it's fictionalized and like whatever, but there's a lot of truth in it too, I feel like, you know? Oh, there, there really, really is, yeah. All right. Uh, let me see what else I got here, man. So I got to pull my list back up. I love A Time to Kill. Uh, my number seven would have been Remember the Titans. There you go. Denzel. You know, what I like about Remember the Titans is I feel like that's a good beginner introduction to uh, kind of the story of racism. Do you know what I mean? Like, if I was going to show my son, like, you know, inclusivity, uh, I would maybe start with Remember the Titans because Mm -hmm. it's a Disney film. It's kind of, uh, it's got that kind of an easier approach. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, You already mentioned Do the Right Thing. That would be my number eight. My number nine would have been a movie called Blind Spotting, which came out a couple of years ago. Did you see that? So good. Yeah, absolutely. It it, it really caught me by surprise at how affecting that film was. Yeah. Um, I'm not the biggest David Diggs fan. I didn't think that he could lead a film. And him and what Rafael Casal did in that film, I was like, whoa. Um, the yeah. rap at the end should not work. I'm like, on paper, yeah. shouldn't work. Yeah. In the theater, I'm like, holy shit. Like, wow. Powerful, dude. Like, it, yeah. it became this performance art in the middle of this narrative nah, know. film. Yeah. It, it was... Yeah, it, that was one of the most powerful. that was one of the most breathtaking scenes of the decade, probably that scene that yeah. you're talking about, um, and a plot twist too. You know, coming up, to, <laughs> coming up to myself. meet the cop there. You know, um, and then my number ten would have been Friday. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, because I, 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 I was like, all right, I got coming to America. I mean, between Friday and Rush Hour, yeah. Just, I mean, a top five black comedies could be. Absolutely, <laughs> it could like, be. I'm telling you, we could do like a top five black this of every week. For we the re- of this we really could. Maybe we should, man. Uh, Smokey! Maybe we- <laughs> What's up, Big Perm? I What's mean, Big Worm. Oh, my God. Hey, Mrs. Parker. It's too good, dude. And what's cool about Friday is it's kind of like Menace to Society, but funny. Yes. Yes, Yeah, I mean, it's funny, the lighter side of that kind of world. Do you know what I mean? I mean, irreverent characters that you just will, you know, 
Craig got fired on his day off. Like, yeah, <laughs> it is. It is like, but like, I love those films. I can just kind of like, slip back into and you know, it's 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 pre- it's a it's a it's a bro movie, but it's a black bro movie, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and I I love that. It's just a very chill. I like that it takes place all within one day. I love films that do that. Cool, man. All right, so there you go, guys. That was our top five black films. Uh, me and Colby Mack. What we like to do to wrap up the episode, Colby, is we head over to social media. And see what some of the fans and listeners had to say. And I'd love to hear your feedback on any of these as well. We got quite a bit of feedback. We'll start over on Twitter, though. All right. So Gidget Von LaRue over there in Australia. She has three movies that we did not mention. Uh, I'm surprised that we didn't mention a couple of them. Not only are they black films, but they're female-led black films, which we didn't talk a lot about tonight. I feel bad about that. But she's she's got Hidden Figures, The Color Purple, and How Stella Got Her Groove Back. What do you think about those? Hidden figures, I appreciate it. It's a it's a bit problematic in some areas, um, but I mean it's it's still a good, it's a good it's a good film with a good story. But it was Jerry rigged a lot with a white lens. Um, as for how um, still got a rule back, absolutely. That is one of those DVDs that are inside of every black house. <laughs> right, so, right. <laughs> yeah, right. That, that's definitely in there. Our first introduction to Tay Diggs, people lost their minds over him. Yeah. What, was, what was the third film? Um, the color purple. So I thought that was a black film growing up. <laughs> like that's the way Steven Spielberg did this. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. um, it is one of the hardest watches. Like it, it, it really, really is. I mean, the performance that Oprah Winfrey gives is like phenomenal. Obviously, what Whoopi Goldberg gives, you know, is like absolutely incredible. Um, it, it's one of those films where you have to watch it growing up while black. Um, so I remember way too much of it, and just every time that I watched it, just thinking like, so this that's not slavery. That's not during Reconstruction. Mm-hmm. That's not, you know, like, it, well, excuse me, that's like towards the ends of like a Reconstruction. Just think like, I would, that is a nightmare to live in that yeah. America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, very hard hitting, where no doubt. You're, you're, you're not a slave, but like literally you, you, you are lower than a second class citizen. You know, um, that's a really kind of an existence that I would just hope would never, ever like, happen like i like that's what i feel like antebellum is going to be like oh antebellum yeah. is going to be the color purple but as a nightmare Ugh, <laughs> yeah that's yeah, wow we talk about a good time am i right oh my gosh oh man yeah all right so mdx pods has got coming to america and black klansman another spike another spike lee joint some good yeah. mentions there word salad radio has got a good list here they've got fruitville station jungle Great. fever do the right thing dear white people Black Pan- white people, really good, yeah. Black people to kill a mockingbird, the thirteenth and Creed. Uh, I just saw the thirteenth the other day for the first time. The documentary it was by Ava DuVernay. Documentaries ever. Oh my god, dude! Uh, intense. It'll, it'll intense. open. It'll open your eyes for anybody that like was really unsure of like what the thirteenth amendment is. Because I mean, obviously, we passively know what the you know, the con- you know <laughs> what the amendments right. are in the Constitution. We just do whatever I can to pass the test. Right. And when I saw that documentary, I'm just like, how? Mm. How can we sit in this country okay with that still as it is? Mm-hmm. Like the way that the 13th Amendment as is written, the fact that, yes, oh, we're ending slavery, but are we kidding? Right. No, it's <laughs> like you're still a slave if you commit a crime, basically. And this is the, the way it's written. It's a loophole, you know? Uh, mm. It's sad. But that documentary is eye-opening, guys. The 13th, yeah. it's on Netflix, and they're actually streaming it for free on YouTube in the month of June because of what's going on. So if you guys are listening to this... Awesome. And you haven't seen the Thirteenth by Ava DuVernay, uh, which she's a powerful black voice herself in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. saw she got uh, admitted to be on the council for the Academy, so that's yes. great. 
and then she did Selma as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, please look up the 13th, guys. It was very close to making my top 10, actually. It was like my yeah, 11 I, or 12. I, I, I was thinking of like having it there as a documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably should. I, I probably would have it in my top 10. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. The cinema guys, Brad over there has got Bad Boys. We didn't mention Bad Boys. Hey. <laughs> That's good times, man. Uh, he's also he, he's also got Posse, Black Panther, Glory, and Malcolm X. Ooh, a black cowboy movie. Yeah. Oh, I was way too young to have watched Posse. <laughs> Oh, oh man, we should do man. top five black cowboy movies, Colby. Let's see if we come oh, up with that. Oh my gosh, that you know, I'll, t- I'll even take Blazing Saddles as a black cowboy movie. <laughs> we might have to to narrow it to round out the list. Uh, the crossover pod has got anything with Eddie Murphy, but it ha- can't be titled Vampire in Brooklyn. Um, why not? <laughs> Vampire Brooklyn is fucking great. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh man, let's see. Uh, arguing with myself on Twitter says Black Klansman, Boys in the okay. Hood. Friday, Gridlocked, and Dope. Did you see Dope a couple years ago? I did see Dope. That was uh, Fuki, R- R- Fukuyama? No, Ray, yeah. Ray, Ray, Ray. yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was good, man. It was good. Good. Uh, Vertigo214 says, and I'm going to quote them on this. They said, their pick is do the right fucking thing. There we go. That's their quote. You're damn right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Be the Solution says, Glory. It was set more than 150 years ago, and the fight to be treated equal is still raging. Yeah, I agree 100% on that, and I actually put up a 100 GIF for him uh, in response mm-hmm. to that. All right, so we're going to head over to the Facebook fan page, Colby, and wrap up. Uh, yourself included, thank you so much for you guys giving feedback every week. These guys are great. If you guys have not joined up yet, please check the show notes. This is where I interact with our fans the most. Let's see, Julio from The Contrarians, which is a movie that we did not mention, but he says The, lack, the, uh, excuse me, the Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yeah. A really unique look at the black experience contemporarily dealing with gentrification in a changing San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, the fact that that was his first film, yeah. it's freaking beautiful. I mean, <laughs> debut, man, crazy. Kind, kind of like how what, what Blind Spotting did, transforming this performance piece in the middle of this narrative. I mean, what Jonathan Majors does at the end of that film with his kind of, you know, one man play is out of this world. It really is, um, man. And to think to write it that way, to incorporate it, and like him and Jimmy's friendship is so unique um i think that was like in my like i think it was like my number 12 film of the year for 2019 yeah beautiful great it's just and it's so beautiful to look at too it's just shot so beautiful uh such a love letter to that uh you know to san francisco really Mm -hmm. uh chris yaney has got uh he wasn't sure how to define it but here's his five he's got glory New Jack City, Ray, Get Out, and The Great Debaters. I don't know if I know The Great Debaters. Which one's that? Yeah, Denzel. Denzel Washington. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do know it now. I know what you're talking yeah. about now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he also said <laughs> he threw in Jackie Brown in the heat of the night, drum line. There you go. There you go, man. I'll uh, tell you. <laughs> Django Unchained and 12 Years a Slave. That, that was a powerful film. What do you think about that? That won the Academy yeah. Award five or six years ago. It did, man. And I can only watch it once. 12 Years a Slave is one of those where... It, it, there's a lot of trauma with it because of how how accurately it's depicted. Yeah. Um. It, it's it's a tough watch, but it's an important one. It's kind of like you know, pretty much Twelve Years a Slave is what I like to call like the black you know Schindler's List. Yeah. Yeah. You're you know, right. Like, That's actually a good comparison, actually. Because like Schindler's List, like it's an absolute like it is. It's a testament to filmmaking, but it's one. It's a, it's an extremely hard watch. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like a, it's a masterpiece, but you see it once and you're good. Uh, you yeah, know, just, just like with um, Amistad. <laughs> you don't need to see it again. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, 12 Years of Slave was was a powerful flick. Uh, let's see. Ashley, good friend of the show from Rabbit Ears. She's got 
A couple that we didn't mention. Let me uh, start with the other ones first. So she's got Get Out, Bad Boys, Coming to America, How Stella Got Her Groove Back, and then she's got Waiting to Exhale and Hotel Rwanda. Ah, Hotel Rwanda, powerful, man. Um, Don Cheadle, exceptional performance, nominated for uh, Academy Award. I think it was either 04 or 05 mm-hmm. is when that came out. Um, really, really good movie. Um, yeah, Waiting to Exhale, that is going to be inside of every black female household um, is that film. Yeah, um, Great cast, great music, strong story, great for representation. That's the uh, that's the I'm Every Woman that came from that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Waiting to Exhale, classic. And then she was disappointed with herself that she wanted to redo her list because she left off Major Pain. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> there is not enough Damon Waynes inside of my lift or like any of the Waynes family, oh, to be honest with you. Like, I grew up on Major Pain and like just that last scene where they're doing a little dance and, uh, and uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh. Yo, it is so, so good. Ah, so, Major Pain. So Patrick Sherwood's got a few that we mentioned already, but one that I love that I don't know why, because I don't read these comments until we do the show. Mm-hmm. So this is my first time seeing this, but I don't know why I didn't think of this as a black film, but I do love it. But Patrick's got Beverly Hills Cop also with it. Hell yeah. When you have a black lead character, that makes it a black film. Okay. I wish I had thought about that one then because I, I, I probably still would have kept coming to America. One of the coolest um, movie themes ever. Yeah. Like Axel F. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, Jared, Jared Taylor's got Boys in the Hood and Coming to America. Yep. Michelle Dato has got uh, Drumline, Coming to America, and Boys in the Hood. Mm-hmm. Let's see if there's any that haven't been mentioned, guys, as I stroll through here. So here's one I just saw last night that honestly almost made my list, but I was like so scared of recency bias. But Peter from Podstalgic says, Just Mercy. What do you think of that one yeah. with Michael I mean, B. Jordan? Really great film. Um, one of the most affecting scenes that I've seen this year. Yeah, um, I mean, granted, it came out. It came out, you know, on a very limited run in the end of 2019. But I consider it a 2020 film mm-hmm. um, when it made its uh, nationwide release. Um, there's, have you, you seen it? Yeah, I just saw it last night. Yeah, that that death scene um, uh, with uh, oh my god, forgetting the gentleman's name. He was inside, you know, black man, last black man in uh, San Francisco. Um, he was inside Daredevil. Are you talking about Herbert? Yeah, mm-hmm. his, his electrocution scene is like that was intense, bro. It's crazy and. This is one why I will never go into the state of Alabama. That story is set 25 years ago. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I think I think it's like I think it's like late late 80s. So maybe like yeah, because he was convicted or he was uh, exonerated in 92. So it happened to, in the late 80s. To think that that happens now that somebody can just be hey going home from work. You. Yeah, yeah, coming home from work. We're gonna arrest you and we're gonna put you on death row. Right. Basically, because you're black. In. Insane. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's see. Let's, let me go through a couple more here. So Dan Brennick, our mutual buddy from Netflix and Swill. I know you were just yeah. on their show last week. Uh, but he's got mm-hmm. Get Out, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, Django Unchained. Hey, there you go. Thank you, Dan. Mm-hmm. P.D. Wheatstraw. I don't know that one. Do you? P.D. Wheatstraw. Yo, what? he's throwing me for a loop. What the <laughs> hell is that, Dan? P.D. Wheatstraw. Uh, and then he's got Mudbound, which I think is... Netflix original. It's a I think. Netflix movie. You know, I do like that Netflix just put up this uh, Black Lives Matter. I saw that. Collection. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, yeah. It is really good because there's stuff that like I'm adding, uh, you know, in there. Like I'm gonna rewatch, do the right thing. Um, I haven't seen. She's got to have it in so long. Like this is really great. So yeah, you know, shout out to Netflix for for doing that. But yeah, that that PD Wheatstraw, I 
don't <laughs> don't know that. Yeah, at all. I don't either. We have to talk to Dan about that one. He lives close by. I'll go bother him and figure out what that good. is. Uh, Matt Lewinsky, good friend of the show, has got coming to America. You're gonna like a couple of these. Actually, we didn't mention any of these. Uh, Purple Rain, okay, with Prince. You know, I, was, I was thinking about it. <laughs> uh, Barbershop Two, the sequel. He says, um, head of okay, <laughs> head head of state, and then he mentioned the Wiz. So you got a shout out for the hey, Wiz there. There you shout go. Shout out to head of state, Chris Rock. <laughs> okay. Wow. Uh, he got me with Barbershop 2, <laughs> next to the yeah. next cut or whatever. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I love Matt, though. He's a good dude. Uh, and then, Amanda, this we'll wrap up on this because uh, I think that you and I share our love of this filmmaker. But she's got Moonlight and If Beale Street Could Talk on her list. And then she's also got 13th and Black Klansman. What do you think, man? Yeah. No, Beale Street Could Talk is a perfect film to me. Um, it was a 10 out of 10. It was my number one A film of 2018 um it was my number 1b was spider-verse and even though i had them like rated quite high i felt like i i don't know if it was like recency bias is like well i want to show some love to films a little bit earlier mm-hmm. um 2018 was a great year for black cinema <laughs> like, yeah i mean it was, a, it was a phenomenal year black panther black Klansman. if bill Street could talk i mean We've t- I think we discussed it before. Blue we Pies. did. We you. I, th- I can't remember if you named it or if it just came up when we did our movies of the decade. But uh, I, I think I did have it in there because I, I think it's it, it's like I said, it's, it's a ten out of ten film. That the direction, the, the score is still like what Nicholas Patel does with that score mm-hmm. is like phenomenal. My best friend got married to the score. Oh, uh, nice. You know, last summer, it, it's so oh, it's so good. Yeah, and the performances are so great. Um, I love. Yeah, I just love uh, Barry Jenkins' style of filmmaking, mm-hmm. and I prefer Moonlight uh, between the two. But I mean, they're both just so beautiful to look at, man. Yeah. Uh, a movie I wanted to mention that would be my number eleven that didn't come up in the honorable mentions is a movie called Waves that I just saw. Yeah. Uh, 2019 man yeah my number that was my number three film of 2019 yeah so uh, good man it's kind of like what you mentioned earlier i can't remember what movie it was but you're talking about how it was kind of like a, a black family drama is kind of what yeah. waves is but taylor russell in the second half of that movie <laughs> the, the, the balls to tell the story that way and i think it turned off some people right um the fact that the film is split right down the middle where you have these two mm-hmm. stories that happen in a very blunt way yeah that can be jarring but like the whole little kaleidoscope transition between the two, I thought yeah. it was beautiful. It's great, man. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's really really good. It, it, I think it is too, and I think everyone should seek it out if you're interested in black cinema. Look out at a movie called Waves. It's got Sterling K. Brown as a father. He's from This Is Us, but yeah, the story Tom Harrison Jr. That's right. Yeah, the story's about you know him in the in the first half of the movie, the brother, and then the sister kind of gets the back half of the movie. But I thought Taylor Russell in that film, um, you know, I, of course it's not going to happen because we we live in the world that we live in. But I mean, I thought mm-hmm. that was Oscar worthy as well. Her performance, oh, yeah, absolutely. In, in that movie. Uh, all right, man. So look, Colby Mack, uh, you came on the show. You've been on a few times before. We did movie fights. We did movies of the decade. Uh, you, you're just always around, and I love you, man. And I, I appreciate you doing this to discuss black cinema. You know, what do you want to say to the people, man? This is a tough time going on. I mean, is there anything you want to say? Anything you want to get off your chest while we're kind of wrapping up here? Yeah, man. Um, you said something uh, at the top of the show um, that you feel like, like you felt called to kind of do, like to kind of explore these films, and mm-hmm. I think it's beautiful. I think a lot of folks right now who don't, they, they, they cannot, you know, completely understand, like you know, what it is to be black in America, right? And for my white allies, and and um, be advocates. And if you don't know what to say, don't say anything. Say it to the right people. And what I mean by that is this, right? 
don't go like uh, just kind of saying whatever. Mm-hmm. Talk to your black friends, please. <laughs> like my DMs are open. I have been incredibly overwhelmed with one, the amount of people that have expressed care to me, asking me generally how I've been. Mm-hmm. And for the folks who may not necessarily understand everything that's going on, just asking me questions and being one open, being respectful, being civil, being empathetic. Mm-hmm. Like those are the type of dialogues that we need to have amongst each other. And then share those with your friends and family members. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't not if you don't feel comfortable going to a protest, I mean, keep in mind, we're still in the midst of a global pandemic. I don't feel comfortable going to a protest. And I live <laughs> right. three miles from downtown Atlanta. <laughs> right, you know? right, right. But what I feel like I am doing is that one, I'm using my voice and my platform as I can, as responsibly as I can. And I am imploring, you know, my my white brothers and sisters, hey, wherever you feel like you are, if you don't know what to say, talk to me. I'm not going to tell you what to say, but I want to engage with you in a dialogue. And I hope that you share those same sentiments and what you may have learned or uncovered, you know, with your friends and family. That's what needs to happen. Right. And it's funny you say that, Cole, because I hit you up a couple of weeks ago and I said, what do I call this episode, man? Do I call it black mm-hmm. movies or do I call it yeah. African-American? But you know what I mean? Cause that, I didn't want to, of, right. You, you were being intentional and you wanted to make sure that you were being appropriate. Right. You know, like that's <laughs> what you need to do. Right. Well, thanks man. I mean, it means a lot. And, uh, you know, I said it at the top of the show, but obviously black lives matter. And it's kind of what set this light bulb off of my head because I, you know, I, I know you probably know this, but I have my episode log planned like, three, four, six weeks in advance, you know? And I was like, with all this stuff going on, I want to insert this episode. I want to get it out. I want to do it because it's important because there's a lot of people, frankly, like me, and I'm, you know, I'm just being honest with you and everybody else that are kind of in our homes and seeing this on the news for the most part. And it's like, let's just, anything, educate yourself at the very least, educate yourself, you know? And there's so many, unfortunately, there's so many uneducated uh, and I hate to say white people, but I mean, so many uneducated white people about the black experience and about what's going on. And I, and to be honest with you, I would put myself in that camp. You know, I think I'm more educated than a lot of people, but I'm not as educated as I need to be. So, you know, movies are going to entertain you. Music's going to entertain you, but it also could educate you and it could show you something that you may not otherwise see. You know, I just saw a movie called The Hate You Give the other night, which mm. didn't, didn't come up tonight. Uh, but that's a great one. But, you know, it, 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 these protests are happening that are in that movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you're not going out to the protest, like you said, because of COVID or because of, you know, whatever, you don't feel safe or whatever, you know, that's fine. Be honest with yourself. But that doesn't mean you can't educate yourself in your, in the safety of your own home. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And be a voice the way that you can. So I'm trying to do that. Uh, and obviously, I am an ally and I stand with you and everybody else that's that's going through this. And it's uh it's just a crazy time man i mean <laughs> you know covid aside i mean 2020 i saw a meme that uh the other day that it was like written by tarantino and directed by david lynch you know what i mean <laughs> 2020 <laughs> it's, it's fucking crazy man. i mean think about it we had that amazing nicholas cage movie 2012 so uh <laughs> that's right yeah colby uh it means a lot to me that you were here man why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media brother yeah, man. Once again, thanks so much for having me. Look forward to come back. Um, if you haven't already, yo, you can follow your boy. I'm on all the socials at Kobe told me on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm over on Facebook at Kobe Mac. When I'm in the mood to write, you can check out my website, Kobe told And you can listen to my podcast, the Kobe told me podcast on all major platforms. So when they ask you where you heard it from, you tell them Kobe told me. All right, man. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon, Kobe. I appreciate you being here, man. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. Two Peas is an independent podcast. We rely on donations from our executive producers in order to release new content weekly. We would like to give a special thanks to all of our current producers, Kathy Ross, Dan Brennick, Caleb Brownlee, Justin Esquivel, Becca Seekpark, Daniel Henderson, Michelle Dato, Tony Dabish, Paul Prezula, Chris Yaney, and Julio Mendoza. If you would like to become an executive producer and help us continue to release great content, please visit Two Peas on a Pod at patreon.com or check out the show notes for this episode. Again, thank you for listening.